Welcome to the Arrest All Mimics podcast with your host Ben Talon. Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. This is the Illustration Limited podcast celebrating original thinking and creative innovation. I am Ben Talon, your host, and Happy New Year. Uh, coming into 2016, exciting times ahead. Finished off strong last year with Sandra Dinkman. Um, really, good, really strong feedback. People loving Sandra's work. There's no wonder that she's so popular. Go and check out her fairy tale and fantasy inspired, uh, sort of nature, very nature based illustration work. She's very prominent on Etsy. We discussed everything to do with her work, her background in Germany, the maker's circuit, the, the sort of maker's movement that's going on at the moment. Very handcrafted uh, prominence happening at the minute. Uh, really cool episode. Sandra's a lot of fun, as you'll hear on the on the episode. But big things afoot moving into the new year. It's exciting times, and uh, you guys have helped us to move forward. The feedback's been tremendous. Uh, we're very prominent on social media. I have just recently launched a new Facebook page where you can engage with us on there. That's facebook.com forward slash Arrest All Mimics. Uh, the same thing on Twitter. Go and find us on there at Arrest All Mimics. Uh, you can hit us up there, you can hit us on the email, arrestallmimix at gmail.com, and you can, of course, contact Illustration Limited uh, over at their brand new spanking website with a whole new editorial and news feature, illustrationweb.com. Uh, big things for the agency too. Um, it's 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 kind of exciting and daunting because whilst we, we seem to have a government that underplays the value of creativity in society... Uh, there's a lot of it around, and it's now accounting, as John Newbegin said on, I think, episode 5, for 8% plus of the economy and the jobs market in this country, which speaks for itself. I mean, what's what's not to get there? You know, with the digital revolution, it's all going on. So, you know, we want to tap into that, and we want to document the most exciting parts and elements of that. I don't care if it's in ceramics, uh, drawing, illustration, design fine art, music, whatever it is, if we've got a relevant visual communication thread, then we'll consider it for Arrest All Mimics, and this podcast is something we're all very excited about. So on to today's guest, um, late last year, actually, I caught up with David Woods, who coincidentally was the editor on my book, and at the time he was working with Lid Publishing, Um, and before that I knew David from working at HR Magazine, where he was the editor, and very early in my career I started to create illustrations for those guys. Uh, and they were one of the pivotal clients in my career in making it possible to go full-time. Uh, and David is very um, very direct, very good at his job. He's a fantastic editor. He's great with his words, as you would you have to be to be a good editor. And we worked together very closely to make my book happen. He was the guy who really bought into the idea at Lid Publishing that there was something in this whole documenting of the freelance lifestyle in the arts. And I can't thank him, thank him enough for that. But what really excited me about David's movements beyond that is he went from a very sort of editorial-based career and he switched it up and he'd gone and joined Home Media, uh, which is where he's now based and it's why I wanted to talk to David. Home Media work in PR. They represent their clients um, to create engaging, exciting and original campaigns. Uh, We'll talk all about that and we'll talk about uh, PR, which is, you know, to me, it was a dirty word until not too long ago when I carried out a full charity campaign on behalf of Calm, who worked to prevent male suicide, which is sadly the, the biggest killer of young men in this country. And given the complete lack of a budget, um, seeing as this was a non, you know, non-profit campaign, it, I was kind of forced to think 
laterally and go out and find ways to get us some exposure for this campaign and find ways to go and talk to people that we did, like Danny Dyer, Steve Merchant, Mick Foley, Caitlin Rose, Ken Garland, find uh, all these kind of names who are prominent in their artistic fields and find an interesting angle to come at it from because, let's face it, no one no one has heard of Ben Talon. So I was faced with the challenge of knocking on the door of all these agents and management companies to get to these famous people and celebrities who were doing relevant things. So to get around that, you know, we had to create this engaging campaign with no money, no backing, no real idea of what we're doing. But off the back of it, I kind of learned a lot about, you know, the relevance of PR. And a few PR agencies were kind enough to give us a little a little charitable nudge and, you know, do a mail out on our behalf or just, you know, just a quick e-shot, just little things that would give us a leg up. And it really boosted the campaign and I started to, to see the worth actually. And it doesn't stop with uh, going to companies for PR. In reality, we're, we're all out there on social media every day, every single one of us creatives, representing you know ourselves uh, and our brand, which is an extension of ourselves, naturally. So I wanted to sit down and talk to David and talk about the work that Hum Media are doing to put that in a context, but also to talk about the, the key themes and, and why people build strong business and working relationships in, in careers. And it's those kind of relationships that, that really pave the way for, for our long-term careers. And we're all in the same boat, we're all representing ourselves, we're all out there on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. But how do you work those channels and what is it that truly connects with the the clients that you're trying to reach? We're going to be discussing that today with David. We're going to be talking about the things that that he's come across since he's moved into PR, um, the work that Home Media are doing. They're, they're working with some amazing clients at the moment, you know, uh, in immersive theatre, immersive dining, um, in the more corporate world. They're working with authors to get their books out there to come up with challenging and innovative campaigns, and that's what we're all about on this podcast. So it's a really great conversation, and it's a little bit different to the, the sort of chats we've had so far with creative professionals, because... You know, it's really important to cover all the different facets that we're all challenged with. So I hope you enjoy uh, the angle. I think there's a lot to learn. I certainly learned a lot from sitting down and having a chat with David. And he's a great personality and very passionate about the work that he's representing uh, with Home Media and his clients. And it's no surprise to me that after a year of running, they're, they're achieving great things and they're taking really big strides. You know, as David Spool mentioned, they're looking at moving into the publishing industry and it's exciting times ahead. <coughs> Sorry. Fucking hell, voice going there. Um, New year year weathered. (laughs) I hope everyone's feeling the same, but without further ado on that note, let's get down to it. I want your feedback at Arrest or Mimics. As ever, get us some suggestions. We've got some ridiculous guests lined up that I'm going to be talking to over the next coming weeks. Um, So keep your ears peeled for those. Get us shared around. We need your support. If you like the podcast, please shout about us. Uh, Subscribe on the iTunes link, which is now on the SoundCloud page where most people have been listening to this. And get it downloaded straight to your device. Once you subscribe, it'll download to your device of choice. And I can't wait to get moving into this year. So without further ado, my chunk of my conversation with Hum Media's David Woods. First birthday thing, shaping up. Good, yeah. yeah, super exciting. So it's about you're coming, aren't you? You haven't RSVP'd. I am, yes, I'm into RSVP, but I am coming. All right, oh, you don't need to now, you have. <laughs> um, yeah, there's about 60 people. Um, booked a really cool, a really sweet venue, actually. It's yeah. um, new, it's the same people on Mahiki. Okay. Um, and it's in the city because we thought it's just a bit different because people will expect us to do it, yeah. you know, Covent Garden, Soho, or somewhere like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Standard um, launch. Yeah. Country. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, 
And um, no, they've been really, really good actually. So um, we went to, we got to go to like a cocktail tasting session with them. So they're designing two special cocktails for the party. Yeah. Um, one's going to be called Small Hum and the other one's going to be called Big Bang. Oh, nice. Um, and Small Hum, I shouldn't tell people this, but Small Hum is, it, it's going to be like in martini glasses yeah. with little origami birds made out of magazine articles that we secure for our clients. Oh, okay. Which I thought was quite cool. And then Big Bang is going to be um, in a, like a little fire bucket. Yeah. And they've got little flames on them. Oh, nice. So I think nice. that'll only be for photos at the start. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's um, cool. super exciting. We're going to make quite a big announcement as well, which you probably know about from Laura. Oh, okay. But Maybe not going to it yet. Yeah. We'll <laughs> <laughs> keep that for uh, as and when people need to know it. But yeah, it's super exciting. I can't, I can't, believe, um, can't believe it's been a year. Yeah. Well, it's only been six months for me. Yeah. But um, yeah. It's yeah. really, the last, it's funny because for the first like three months it took me so long to get used to it and then when you sort of get used to it you realise once you relax it begins to get much busier, you know, I, yeah. as I've got busier I felt more relaxed if that makes sense, yeah. so it's been easier is to it, get. Has it been your first dip into freelancing then? Um, when I left uni I did a bit of freelance writing yeah. but it's like my first sort of entrepreneurial okay. step yeah. I guess, yeah. Um, but yeah I think that, I think that it's, it's, it's. It's different for me because I think that it's about it's a mixture between being a freelance writer and owning your own company and trying to get that all to sort of come together. Yeah. Um, and obviously, because there's two of us, it makes a real difference because we can bounce ideas off each other, which is nice. So you never feel like you're yeah. you're sort of working in a vacuum. That's a good thing. But, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like, so tell us about Hum. So tell us about uh, I mean, what you explain Hum's manifesto, if that's <laughs> the right way to term it. <laughs> so, yeah. So basically, right, essentially, so there's myself and Emily. Um, Emily Perry, she's a former marketing director working predominantly with small businesses mm. um, with a very sort of strong PR background comms um, I, I guess remit that she's worked in, in a lot of jobs. I'm myself obviously a former journalist and editor yeah. um, so we bring sort of I guess quite complementing skill sets. That does sound like a good blend. Yeah. yeah I mean it was it's 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 very different and I know that a lot of journalists sort of move into PR um, but we've been quite quite careful in building up our, our company that it's not very much focusing on PR. We've tried to bring all the different skills that we have to, to make something a little bit different. Yeah. So um, essentially we, we sort of do a three-pronged, I guess, way of working. So you've got um, PR, um, which is very much about building media relations, talking to the press, introducing them to clients, getting messages out that way. Hmm. Um, intelligent content, which is very much about um, writing blogs, articles, um, award entries in some cases, just really sort of helping clients talk about their messages. We do a lot of web design and work around that, mm. um, rewriting people's websites and, and working with them, I guess, to just really decide what their messages are yeah. and how to how, how they want to communicate them. Yeah. Um, sometimes that incorporates events and so on as well, or, or bigger reports, white papers. And we actually do some magazines for clients as well, which is really, um, it's really good fun. Yeah. yeah, I think that um, everybody can take a lot from that because we love making them, they yeah. love seeing them, and then it gives them something really tangible and concrete to give to their clients as well. It's always nice, isn't it? I found that I found that with a book. I've actually just you know sort of started sending it to clients I'd like to work with now. It's just a nice little in, you know. Like yeah, you get a book in the mail and a little message on the inside cover. It's just got a nice personal touch, and I guess it's the same with the magazine. Definitely, you're immediately credible. Yeah. You know, rather than 
Um, I mean, one of our big strong beliefs at Hum is that you know you don't need to send press releases, and we're we're quite anti press release okay, because cool. if if you if you create a press release for a client, you fire it out to a set media list. It goes to journalists. It just disappears into their inbox. Yeah, and then you can spend weeks, months, years chasing up these press releases. You know, did you receive this? Is it of mm-hmm. interest? Yeah. Whereas you know, if we're if we're producing really genuine, intelligent content that is interesting to to clients, prospects, the press then it just means that that's starting a conversation that, that we believe will lead to bigger things. Yeah. Um, and the third prong, I guess, of what we do is social media. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, this is really interesting because there's people out there that pertain to be social media experts, and I think that the very nature of social media, I hope that nobody's an expert because we should all be learning because mm. it changes. And it's so new still. It's Yeah, so new. Yeah. Nobody talked about Twitter 10 years ago, and it's you know it's such a big part of our lives now. Yeah. Um, and I think that what's really fun about that is, you know, we try to encourage clients to experiment. So I don't sit down in front of people and say, uh, yeah, you should definitely open a Pinterest account and then you could do X, Y, Z. We'll sort of say, right, we'll, we'll have a shot. We'll see what sort of following you build up. We can, you know, we can talk about that and work with it. Mm. And I mean, this all fits very much into, I guess, our, like you say, manifesto that, we believe that small hums like that, so starting conversations, getting people chatting, networking and bringing people mm. together, talking about really cool breaking ideas, leads to a big bang. So in the longer term, there'll be a ripple effect um, rather than just one sort of instant bit of news coverage from a press release yeah. or something like that. My whole career so has been built on that, that ethos. You know, It's just uh, all those early conversations and coffees. In two thousand and eight, are still this, the that ripple effect still definitely. Happening. You know, um, the, the first people that I turned to when I brought out, uh, whether it's the book or another interesting project, they're the first people that I go to, and straight away I get a response because there's always been that face to face meeting right back then. It took five minutes, but it's still happening now, which is incredible, really. But that's it's you know on that basis, I completely agree with that, with that way of thinking. See, I totally buy into this, but what what I think in a lot of cases is that you know. There needs to be a mindset shift, especially, I mean, if you think about traditional marketing, so many people want an instant, you know, they want an instant result. They want measures. They want to be, you know, to see results then and there. Whereas, you know, I'm exactly the same as you. I've had conversations with people five years ago and, you know, you keep that relationship going over years and then it could lead to something really big. Yeah. You know? Um, so true. So, yeah, I, I like to think that, you know, we can we can show people we can show people results, but it is about sort of being a little bit more pragmatic mm. about how marketing's working and how media is changing. I like the fact that you, you've got that three pronged uh, way of doing things because it's, you can't rely on any any one. You know, you, you have to be working the social media channels, but at the same time, if you rely entirely on that, where where does that where does that human touch come from? Which is also crucial. Totally. But then none of us have the time to exclusively be seeing people all week. You know, it's just like. Um, it is all about balance, and I think it's really a good way of looking at it. I think, um, you know, it's uh, like you say, PR. It's I mean, I, I'm very, I'm very unfamiliar with PR. It's only the last couple of years when I've started to do projects that I wanted to get some showcase for that needed to reach people. You know, like the Express campaign, for example, was a, a real eye opener for me because that was the first time I've ever really encountered it. Until that point, I'm a one man band, and I've worked entirely off those coffees and those beers, and actually running with those relationships. And all of a sudden, it's like, God, I've got to actually, I've got to get this campaign out to a whole nation and beyond. Like, how, where do I even start? So, it's a bit of an alien concept for me, and I would imagine it's the same for a lot of people. 
I mean, well, okay, for example, the people who come to work with Hunt, do you find that it's a mixture of people who know what they want and they know they work with you to achieve that, or do they come in completely blind and rely on you guys to do that for them? Well, firstly, I just want to say, I think that, I think you're a real, I, I, I don't know if I agree with what you've just said, I think you really do get PR, I think that it's not about knowing the theory of it and exactly how it works, it's more about an attitudinal thing, mm. and I think that's something that you're really good at, because you do know how to have the conversations and you do know how to connect with the right people. Yeah. But um, yeah, to, to answer your question, I think that, yeah, um, we, we're a really values-based company, right, so um, our values are, are really important to us, and, you know, I think that that that's something that would I guess put us off working with some clients. We we need to work with people that share our values, or we don't believe it will work. And our values are collaborative. That's our, our first value. We don't work for people; we work with them, and that's that's something that we will make it really clear from the first time we meet them. We'll explain that we're not there to service their every need or whim. You know, we'll we'll work with them to to be successful together, and that's something that's really important. And you know, I think if people really I think that's how business should be and, and anybody really thinking about marketing themselves or raising their profile should be thinking about now about who they can collaborate with, who the best partners are, rather than competing or you know having a very set strategy that they don't want to move away from. Mm. Um, because I think that breeds results. Um, and, and that's how I want to work. And that's, I think, how more and more people are, are beginning to want to work. And I think that's really healthy. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I read a post this morning... Um, on LinkedIn of all places, I don't often sort of go and read the content there, but some guy had posted an article that was getting some really good traction from a lot of people that I, I know personally, and um, the post was just called Loser, and it, it was really interesting, he was chatting about, um, they'd lost out on an award recently, and um, he was just chatting about why they have, they actually knocked back quite a lot of jobs, and it's for the same reasons that you just said, it's they very much work with people, and they're very choosy about what they work on and with who, and they won't accept any jobs before understanding what a person wants from the project and can they actually meet those demands not just in the in the tangible results from the job but actually you know everything they're trying to achieve as a company and and, and I found it really interesting to and like you said I think the reason that I sort of felt that way about PR is that everything I do is quite instinctive and natural and much the way that I would talk to anyone in the pub for example yeah. and you can't underestimate that because I, I don't always see that as business but actually it is it's what business is built on it's that relatability and 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 common values you know totally um so i found that really interesting yeah because i think you hit on the, on the right things totally and i think that you know if i think you know people working in the creative sector anybody working in the creative sector will, will have the same sort of i guess not dilemma but challenge that, that that we're sort of chatting about because you know on one hand you've got clients that have a very clear idea whether it's pr or, or editorial design illustration they'll have a very clear idea of what they want but at the end of the day, you're the one that's going to have to execute that for them. You're the expert. So it's about having that honest upfront conversation to begin with and say, look, this is my skill set and this is how I can help you. Yeah. Um, but let's work together rather than me work for you. And secondly, on the other hand, you know, it, certainly in my experience, you've got the press. And you know, they don't want to just be talked at. They want to have a conversation and get the best sort of articles and, and coverage that they can generate themselves. And if you can, if you can get that that nice circle of collaboration going between yourself, the client, and the press, then yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> it is as well because you, everyone wants to feel, as we discussed earlier, everyone wants to feel ownership and what they're working True. with. True. No one wants to. It's the, I say to people, um, there's a balance with every part of what I do. I mean, in my case, 
in terms of giving a sketch to a client. Clients don't, an art director doesn't want a fully finished spoon-fed <laughs> sketch because they want to feel like they're bringing something to that job too. By the same token, they don't want you to come to them and go, what do you want me to do? Because they want to work with independent thinking, you know, people who think on their feet. So it's, again, it's about finding that balance yeah. in that process as well. And then if everyone feels like belonging to a project, then everyone's going to want to get the most out of that and make it something really special. Definitely. You know, um, so how was, so, so I mean, your background is editing editorial, right? I mean, I met you at HR Magazine. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, surely that's a good thing in the, in the sense that you would have had to have learned a lot of the skills that you bring to HUM now in, in that world. Definitely, definitely. Um, in my experience, I think that it's, it's about, I think everybody, a lot of people, I don't want to say everybody, most people think they can write and a lot of people can't. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think it's, it's not a case of, you know, you, you learn to do a certain trade. It's about, you know, learning to listen to people and, and learning to understand how messages should be getting through and what's interesting and what's not. I know that sounds really, I know that sounds sort of rude but that that's really how it is um and my background as a journalist obviously helped me learn to write but it helped me learn to listen to people and that's i think what probably helps me most in my role now um so i did a lot of interviews i i, I learned i learned a lot about business and hr from from working from those those publications but no i think it's about sort of understanding what people want to say is, mm. is the most important part and, and really sort of getting that message through. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you don't, if, because if you don't have that core understanding of what someone's about, then what's the point? You know, it's like, it's, what are they bringing you in to do, essentially? Because they're not, you know, surely no one wants to bring you in as just a tool to send out more emails, or, you know, it's, that's not the way it works. There, there, are, there are companies out there that can do that for people if, if that's what they want. Yeah. If, if people want to just have a message and send it straight out there, there's companies that can do that for them. But, you know, we specialise in working with small businesses who don't mm. have marketing departments. So often they're coming to this very, you know, not blind, but and not naive necessarily, but they just, they're not familiar with this sort of environment. And it's just about having an honest chat with them. Um, I, I can talk to people about what journalists want and expect. But um, again, every journalist's different and they'll have different needs and wants. Mm. And it's just about being a bit more personal with regards to the press. And that's something that I'm quite familiar with. Yeah. I think so. I, mean, I had a case recently where um, there were a friend of mine got in touch, and I had had a few articles from you know in the creative arts on on the book and you know creative review. These are people I've built relationships with, and I was I was I've got to get in the Guardian, got to get in the Guardian, and I'd, I'd, I'd hit a lot of brick walls. Been told no in some departments, no response in others, um, and you quite quickly think oh, it's not going to happen. And then a friend out of the blue got in touch and said, oh, I've just read a really great article on, on the creative part of their website, the creative careers section about um, the you know freelancing. A lady's written a really cool article. Seems to be a conversation happening. Maybe you should try and latch on with your book. Within seconds, I'd emailed the guy and, and sort of told him the deal. He got straight back saying, great timing, I love it. Like, you know, tell me more. So I sent him a copy of the book in the post. But what I did was kind of, um, you know, wrote his name in nice ink on the front cover and actually took a bit of card underneath just painted his first name in my sort of signature lettering style and slipped that in with a little note inside and then next thing you know he puts a photograph of it on Instagram and he's loved it on his <laughs> desk and you know before I know it and I'm one of two people featured in this huge article that got loads of traction and feedback and engagement and it's just like tiny touches tiny personal touches like that and actually like you say listening to what someone wants 
and acting on that rather than just blanketing this message because it just goes so much further. <laughs> See, that's a genius piece of, of marketing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to note that down and remember that one. <laughs> so it took, you know, I, it, would have, it, it took me 10 seconds to do an original, you know, and do it. And, but the fact that I thought to do that and, and looked up his name and, and sent it to him and done that just for him, you know, I, you know people love that. That's it. And that's that's what it's all about. That's mm. that's That goes back to my point about, you know, sending out press releases or, you know, that there will always be people that think, right, this is my target newspaper or my target magazine. I, I need to be there. And it's just about having a conversation, thinking, right, okay, well, what can we do um, that could help you get there rather than, you know, just sending out faceless emails? Yeah. Just about getting that conversation going. I think it's just about being a little bit cleverer, perhaps. Of course it is, yeah. You know, this, uh, the only reason that, you know, the other reason that I chose uh, Lid as a publisher was when you were, you know, you were editor there and um, the fact that you believed in what I was doing... Um, for me, as a first-time author, I didn't, I didn't have a clue. I didn't understand the industry. I didn't know where to start. Um, so it was quite an intimidating thought uh, that, that I would sign up with someone that didn't understand actually anything to do with the book. And of course, there's only me that can understand my own story to that degree. But the fact that you bought into that and actually there was that trust there, it's like, okay, well, that's that's what I look look for essentially to take on anyone as a client. And it's just, you know, I think that, that goes right throughout. Totally. Um, so do you, do you work with individuals? Does it tend to be, when you say small to medium companies, have you got examples? I mean, how, how big? So yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a real mix. I mean, I think it, what you just said is, is again, a real ethical point for us. We, we couldn't work with somebody we didn't trust or, I mean, to be fair, we couldn't work with people we didn't like. Mm. <laughs> um, and that's quite important. We, we don't do this for the money. We do this for the love of the, mm. for the thrill of the chase, I guess. But it, it's a real mixture. So um as I say, we're really values driven, and if people sort of buy into those values, then we believe that any partnership can work. So it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mix. Um, we work with a, a range of organisations and individuals. So um, some some in the creative space. So we do a bit of work with immersive theatre and immersive dining. Um, we do some work with individuals. So we work with some HR directors who who want to raise their profile and. And really, sort of get that their messages out there. So we work with them on an individual basis, um, and then we work with some corporates. So um, some in the in the pension sphere, um, some in the healthcare sphere. We're doing a lot of work around um, raising awareness of of HIV at the moment, which is mm. which is really exciting for us, and um, it's it's a really worthy it's a really worthy project yeah. to be working on. Um, some in hospitality, we we work with some restaurants and and bars, um, and. We also work with some um, some writers and authors to sort of you know help them mm. um, with their books, with their websites, with their projects. So yeah. we 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 really like taking on exciting projects that that we can get behind and get excited by. And um, yeah, I guess it's we, we don't have a sort of we don't have a sort of um, cut out ideal client. We just want to work with people that that get us and that we get. Yeah. If that makes sense. And again, it's about listening to every case, isn't it? Everyone, everyone who comes through the door, it's about you know making that honest call on on if you feel that you know the right way that you should take on on the work. As yeah. Well. Um, it's really interesting what you said about the HIV stuff. I, I'm always I always sort of preach the value of um, working on worthy projects like that because not only is it a, a really good way to kind of um, obviously work for good causes but also it's you're latching onto a conversation as well and you know a conversation that's going on in, in society which is a great way to be seen because you know I mean the stuff that I've done in the past it's always been a, a hot topic like I, I was having a discussion the other day about potentially 
provided an image for a, a colouring book that would be sold by a book publisher to raise money for the for the refugees. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's great. It, uh, no money there because it's charity, but it's great. It's a, it's a conversation that's that's live and it's right now, and people, uh, yeah, and that carries weight, you know. So yeah. I think I think it's good to be, um, like I said, to be involved on a moral level, but also on, uh, you know, coming back to the whole sort of repre- representing yourself. Definitely, it's a good way to be, you know, to actually. These organisations have got a, a bigger pull than you often as an individual or a small business. So, so actually, to to get involved with the work they're doing and the time and energy they're putting into making that conversation relevant. You know why not ride on the back of that? Definitely, in a, in a totally selfish way. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think that I could I could gush about the HIV client all afternoon, so you probably shouldn't have asked me about that. But what's what's really cool about them is that they're super creative and they really think out the, outside the box, and they're really up for having the conversations with us about taking it a little bit further. So essentially, they've they've invented the Europe's first self test for HIV, which allows people who feel uncomfortable to go to the doctors mm. or, you know, to see a, a healthcare professional to order the test online and oh, wow. sent to their house and they essentially test themselves and they get their own result mm. in 15 minutes. And when it launched, like there was so much press around it. I mean, it really is a game changer in that sort of market. Um, but after a product's released, it's very difficult to keep generating lots yes. of ongoing media. So this is where we sort of sat down with the client and said, right, we're going to have to think creatively now. So after doing like loads of research into the topic, we discovered that in the HIV sphere, for want of a better phrase, um, the way that testing and, and the conversations are discussed is still very much towards the gay community. Um, and there is, there is a lot of taboo and stigma around HIV. So we decided that the conversation was bigger than just talking about HIV testing. It's about breaking stigma and breaking down walls, getting people chatting, getting people feeling you know, quite comfortable mm. to feel they can address the subject, which is a really difficult subject where there's so many misconceptions. So we've created a whole movement around it called The Last Taboo, which, you know, we're, we're joining with lots of other organisations whom we're not actually, you know, directly working with. They're not our clients. But to build a movement to get more people talking about sexual yeah. health and raise awareness, which for us has been has been phenomenal. Mm. Um, lots of exciting things going on there. And it's been really easy to get people to collaborate because we've almost taken it away from the initial brand into yeah. something much, much bigger mm. and everyone's a winner. So yeah, and I, I love I, it. I think that's what I was badly paraphrasing in the sense that you inadvertently get these connections and people who are involved yeah. in the same project and everyone wins because it's a great cause, but also you, you, know, that, you don't see all those things coming. And, then, and again, that ripple effect, like we said earlier, can, yeah. can carry so much further. Um, and I, I find it really exciting. I mean, it's, it's professionally, it's why I moved to London because I, I just get a huge buzz off going out into the city and knowing that any meeting or any pint in any pub can actually end up resulting in these amazing connections and, and new conversations starting and people getting inspired. And uh, <laughs> I think that's what a lot of it is. In terms, when, you know, when it comes to PR and things, you have just have you know people always say network and you know network yourself to death. So it sounds like a cliche, but it's, no. it, it, you can't underestimate it. Just going out and meeting people and you don't know who's going to know who and, and where that's going to lead. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, people used to laugh at me in my last job because I would always take the conversation off email and you know say, right, let's go and grab a coffee. Mm. And you know, so, sometimes I look at my diary and I've got my whole my whole week's been planned with like you know meeting people for coffee or drinks or lunch, and I think, how am I going to get any work done? <laughs> but in the long term, it's it's just so much so worthwhile it's 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 a really important thing to do and i rarely have a meeting 
never have a meeting where there's not a decent takeaway, whether or not it can lead to new business or lead to a new idea mm. or lead to new contacts or lead to new friends. And I think yeah. that's that's brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rare that I come away from any any business meeting, whether it's coffee or beer, feeling not feeling good. It's it's always you're always coming out like with your head spinning, and I was like, oh god, yeah, I want that new. And like you say, maybe it might take twenty emails over five days to reach that digital way. So I think it's so important to, to maintain that. Sometimes you need it, don't you? Like you wake up and you know things aren't great, and you you need a bit of headspace, and it's yeah. just great to speak to somebody new, yeah. share some ideas, and just you know throw some stuff around. I love Com- it. Yeah, completely. It's it's, um, it's really important, and and people. I think that's a danger now. People do can rely on digital far too much because it's so easy to wake up and just work all the social channels. But if there's if no one knows the face behind it. And again, that's another thing, isn't it? When you know the person who's tweeting or is putting that post on whatever Instagram, you enjoy it more because you understand that person yeah. who's doing that and why they're doing that. And then again, it, it means so much more. Yeah. It goes back to the same core thing of understanding a person. And um, do you do you find that people? I this is a guess, but I would imagine that people that come to you, um, you'll often help them to understand themselves better than they would have done at the beginning. <laughs> you know. Um, just through having that conversation about, um, you know, I guess it comes through you wanting to understand the people, and then probably inadvertently they'll actually go away getting, oh, I didn't think about that about me, you know? First thing we do, first thing we do with all our clients is we have what we call an insight day. So we, we don't charge them for it. It's like, you know, it's mm. important. We, we literally spend a whole day with them. And it's a bit like CBT, actually. We sit and talk through, <laughs> you know, go back a step, tell us about this, tell us about that. And from that, it really helps us and them understand exactly what their business is I mean it's easy to you know how sometimes when you're working really hard you forget why you've set out to do what you're doing yes and sometimes it's about taking that step back and then suddenly um, as an individual or as a business your ideas are much clearer in your head and I can't underestimate how important that is and I suppose um, yeah from the outset it's about it is it is it's about people understanding better what they're doing and why they're doing it, what their values are, what they've set out to do. Um, because I don't believe that anybody does anything just to make money. I think we all have to take some value and, and some pride in, in our work. And sometimes it's a, about if the client and an individual, I guess, realises what's important about what they do, mm. then it's much easier for other people to see that as well. Yeah. Does that answer your question? It does, It does. yeah. And I think it's just, and again, just going from... Um, Sort of personal standpoint, I I meet so many graphic designers who are sick of their job. Um, they, I know a lot of people who basically have set out to do, like you said, they set out to do something that they initially loved and, and got into it because of the love of creativity, but have actually ended up losing sight of why they did it in the first place and going down a road where they're actually just sort of someone else's tool or someone else's hand. And it's like, you know, it's hard to pull that back sometimes. You have to then sort of almost, you know, I know people who quit jobs and go down a, a freelancing road, but um, I think it's, I've always kind of stuck to my guns. I never understood the sort of Ben Talon brand, so to speak, early on, but what I always did know was why people engaged with my work and why. So I stuck to those guns. And there were times when I could have gone down a much more corporate road and actually made quite, quite fast money doing it. Um, but instead, I think the first year I had about nine grand, second year 14 grand. I was in Preston on 150 quid a month rent, which was godsend at the time. But if I'd have gone for that fast money in those early years yeah, yeah. and not actually thought, no, I'm going to stick to doing this weird stuff, I'm going to stick to doing the, the sort of slightly out there drawings and, and going after the wrestling clients and the football clients, 
now um, when you look at the brands that I work for in terms of like Skins, Arsenal Football Club, they're, they're cool young brands and, they, and actually now I understand why they come to me and, and why I need to work with them and it's kind of it's paying dividends now because I, you know I've been able to you know really push things forward by understanding that and uh, but you've got you know. you've got it you've got the balance perfect because rather than you know because you had that authenticity at the beginning mm. and that's a huge thing you know you you're putting your own mark on them rather than them dictating to you exactly how it yes. how it should be and you're right there are there are so many creatives out there writers and and you know illustrators and designers that they haven't sold out but they've got caught up in a you know perhaps a, a corporate mentality they didn't initially want to because mm. when you first start freelancing you follow the money and it's heartbreaking yeah. and i think i don't know i think it i don't think it's ever too late to take a step back and think right well what do i what do i love what what makes me unique what makes me authentic and think right okay well there are clients that perhaps don't fit in with my values and and, and what I want to do. Mm. I'm going to take a step back from them. You know, I'm, I can gradually sort of yeah. move them away and, and focus on the things that you love. And you know, sometimes sometimes it's worth you know even taking a week just to sort of think about what you're really good at and where you want to be, and then focus on that and, and build up again from there. Yeah, it's. I think it's so. Yeah, I think you nailed on that down. You said uh, the authenticity and individuality two biggest drivers they've got to be because that in crowded markets they're the things that stand out and if people believe that what you're doing is real and it's not a put on thing or a you know or a sort of false brand then they, they connect with it in, in a you know they, they invest in it emotionally I suppose um, but the step back thing yeah you have to somebody once gave me a really good exercise and they said like take a big sheet of paper and this was right at the start when I was starting out in business and take, it was like a creative initiative that gave me a grant to get a MacBook and as part of it, they said, like, get a big sheet of paper, take money and everything out of the equation and just get a sort of pen, pencil, crayon, whatever. Just draw where you want to be in 20 years in a you know, dream scenario. You know, Who do you want to be working with? Who would you like to be with? Where would you like to live? What do you want to do in your free time? All those kind of things. And actually, it's surprising what you put down. And then, and then it's like, okay, well, now you have to sort of pull back from that and go, what's the reality? But then you've, there's the gap in between and there's where you should be going it's kind of like it's a really interesting exercise that someone had me do and you know and actually the stuff I put down was not a world away from where I was it's just so that you think okay I'm kind of on the right lines then I just need to push in whichever direction emerges from that yeah but um, I love that I mean it's again that sort of like as I sort of said I'm I'm all about values as well and what means stuff to me and and you know, it all it all fits together. Your values take you to where you want to be, mm. um, and as soon as as soon as you stop thinking about that goal and where you want to be and what you want to do, that's when you stop being authentic because you've in essence sold out. Yeah. Um, so you should always keep your eye on the prize and and think about your values and and I guess you, your mission statement as an individual. I mean, a lot of people in in the business world talk about a USP, unique selling point, and I don't know how far I buy into that. But I do really buy into that every organisation, every individual, every company should be authentic in its own way, or else yeah. you're just a you're just a, an off the shelf product at the end yeah. of the day. That's it. It's funny. I went, I went to a talk on well, part, I was part of the talk on Friday um, by a group called Arts Thread, and it was at the VNA in the, in the London Design yeah. Festival, and um, it was a really interesting talk. They had I did ten minutes, and then there were some other guys. 
And there's a guy, there's a guy whose business was, was watched, he made watches, and he'd, he'd gone around the houses and he'd, on his presentation, he said, you know, I tried this business, tried that design business, did this, that and the other, and, you know, went through all his sort of stratosphere of finding out what he wanted to do. And um, to sort of get his point across about why his watches would stand up against a Rolex or whatever, <laughs> but actually were, weren't doing what they were doing. They were a real, you know, it was hand engraved, personally engraved, all these beautiful touches that made it real and... and they were talking about it in a social media context, but I said, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, sell you another product now uh, that's sort of disassociated to a watch, but to get the point across. And if he, he, he went on to sort of use a custard cream as an example, and he's going, he's going, this is the original Baroque biscuit, and, he, and he's like, and, and everyone immediately is sort of howling, laughing. But even just in that ten minute presentation, he's, uh, he's, he's, he was oozing like you know his personality in it, and um, it was great, you know, just to see all that many people laughing in the room, but. Another guy was talking and um, he was saying about you know the, the whole maker thing and he sees so many people putting up bad photographs of their products or telling no, none of the story or inspiration behind it and actually you know suddenly you just get lost in this mass of people on a platform like Etsy for example mm-hmm. and um, and he was saying you know tell me why I, why I should be buying your products as opposed to whatever else and he said he saw a guy put up this amazing ornate handcrafted silver jug and just put a jug as his product description. What he's like, he's like, if I want a jug, I'm going to go to John Lewis. You know, why when I come to, I need to know why that's as beautiful as it is, and what yeah. inspired those decisions. And um, again, it's it's laying all that on the table and how you actually go about doing that. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. Yeah, but I think as well, sometimes people, you know, can get they're all they they feel almost ashamed about marketing their products against other ones especially you know if they've created it and made it themselves mm. there's the sort of oh is it good enough you know okay you know and often a really great piece of work speaks for itself in a lot of cases it does and I think it's unfair for me to say that you know they need to do marketing around things like that but you know people love a story and mm. I mean it goes back to the whole authentic original um bit of love went into this product rather than it being mass made in a factory yeah um and not to discredit Rolex because you know we'd all love to be able to have them at the end of the day um I don't know there's something special in, in having something that's really unique original mm. that people will say oh you know where did you get that watch and there's a story behind it that you can talk about as a consumer rather than oh it's a Rolex oh yeah because you know <laughs> everyone knows when you buy a gift to someone how lovely is it when you get to turn around and say this was made by such and such and he went to the you know ends of the earth to, over a lost loved one to do you know whatever the story is it's just when you hand over a gift and you can give them that backstory it's a wonderful thing and that person feels more special for it and you know. But if you don't tell them, they're they're exactly. not going to know. Exactly. You know? Yeah, that's it. So you, you mentioned about um, the sort of that, that reluctance to sell. Do you think that is an inherently creative trait? An artistic. A lot of artistic people are very modest. Do you think that's something that um, is a, is an issue, or just something that you kind of maybe even have to turn into an advantage? Uh, yeah. Um, that's that's a brilliant question. I think it's it, I think it's true. It's really true of the creative sector because I think that so many of us, um, like we write or we draw or we design for other people. Mm. So you're often thinking about your clients and what they want and need rather than yourself. Um, so it is hard to sort of come forward and say, do you know what? I'm really good at what I do, and here's why. Um, because people, you you have a fear that people will think you're arrogant or that you won't have the goods to back up what you're saying, mm. um, and I think that's that's an inherently human trait. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think if we all think perhaps a little bit more 
about how we market ourselves and how we communicate what we do, um, our websites, our, our social media feeds, you know, how we talk to people, how we brand ourselves. Um, it's not hard to think about what you know your values and your culture as, as an individual and as a creative are and talk to people about that and use that to get conversations going rather than you know start by saying yeah well here's my work judge it for yourself you know there's a way to, to build that conversation that relationship mm. and then let them because at the end of the day you know your work is, is is a huge part of what you do as a creative but people are still thinking about you as somebody that they want to work with somebody that you know they want to collaborate with somebody that they want to I guess be, be a big part of their brand so it's about really talking about how you can do that and what you can offer them as an, an individual um, I've probably answered that question in a really roundabout way but you know I, I think it's about you know I, it goes back actually to what I was saying a while ago taking a step back and thinking about what you're good at and what you can take pride in and just being more prepared to, to talk about that yeah um, but yeah I can totally understand why people feel reluctant to have those conversations I certainly do um, it's not easy is it? and it's not natural it's like, well, maybe it's natural but I might not seem like I struggle with it but you do it's like you know there's only so many sort of I've done this posts that you can make on whatever platform yeah. before you start to feel a little bit guilty and, and start to think oh god do they think I'm blowing my own trumpet again you know it's but then that's a challenge, isn't it? That's the interesting challenge to create content that's not directly, this is what I've done, yeah. but actually maybe creating a, an article or an essay that, that is a real common issue or something so people can come to it in a different way and actually take their, you know, maybe bring their own ownership to that, their own problems and connect with it in that way. Yeah. They're, you know, we're, we're spoiled now with the amount of different platforms, so I guess there are ways you can be a little bit more anonymous but still shout about your stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's the, there was a, <laughs> there's a fine line between um, becoming like showing yourself to be impressive and showing yourself to be blowing your own trumpet and, yeah. and being arrogant that that's that's a given but you know i think it's there's a lot if, if you take a step back and think about it there's lots of ways you can get around the issue so going back to the to the hiv project that we're working on it's not about like promoting a product when this product's brilliant this product's great it's about making the pie bigger so as they can have a piece of said pie yeah. so it's about changing the game a bit and and getting conversations going and mm. you know doing that and that's that's it's a more sophisticated way of marketing yourself rather than just saying you know look at me I'm brilliant and yeah. at the end of the day nobody wants to say that and nobody works wants to work with people who talk like that so it's just about you know being intelligent being an interesting person that people yeah. want to talk to well that's the thing I mean even in just doing this this show for example um, it's been a, a fantastic way for me to not only meet new people and, and kind of indirectly network through the people that I'm meeting and, and, and profiling but I'm you know I'm I like to think that I am. Uh, it comes across that I am genuinely interested with every person that I'm interviewing. I would never have anyone on the show. I would, I would never have anyone on the show just because they're a big name. For example, it has to be a big name that's attracted me to them for the right reasons. Because I think that really does come across to a yeah. listener on the show. I think someone would tell instantly if I didn't at least understand a little bit about the person. If I'm just going right, so where are you from? Uh, tell me about what you do. It, it's very wooden and it's not yeah. human. And it's like. Um, but at the same time, it's like you know, by, by virtue of putting every show out there, it's it's indirect marketing that doesn't require me to actually blow my own trumpet. Yet I'm attached to every one of them, so yeah. that's an example of you know of how that might work. You're taking the conversation forward and developing the industry. If the industry develops, then you you know, I guess that I guess the prospects follow suit. That's it's, that's how it works. Yeah. Completely, yeah, completely true. It's just about this. Is it goes back to again what I was saying about changing the mindset of how we market ourselves and how we think about 
um, raising our profiles and but it's about raising the profile of what you do as much as who yeah. you are yeah and also I suppose in homes in, in home media's respect uh, the very nature of what you do you're attached to every, every single person that you you take out there and promote so yeah. you probably don't even need to market yourselves because you're doing that in the nature of your job we have we have this um, dichotomy as well about how much time do we take to write our own blogs and update our own website and and mm-hmm. you know um I blog because I like writing and you know sometimes I've got something to say as David as much as I have on behalf of a client or as home media so yeah. that's why we do it but I love writing so it, it yeah. it's about developing that conversation um but you know I, I like to think that we you know we are a big part of, of what our clients do because we collaborate with them mm. um and I think our clients recognize that and you know they really do buy into our ethos and that does help us take yeah. our own business forward definitely yeah. yeah and people do want to hear about david because you you're you know you're a, you're a brand that's working with people that it's essential you're a very human brand and you try to get that side of it across so yeah. i think it's you know that it's certainly a positive thing to do that because if people like you say if you're taking the time to make sure that it's the right fit then those people and their audience will care about what you've got to say and it'll just it'll just make people you know hopefully encourage people to buy into home even more and want to work with you even more sure. so, and I think that's true of all of all not just creative but just business you know it's just yeah that's the crux of it I think yeah so anything so what what are you working on moving forward is there anything exciting that's uh, coming up aside from the, the anniversary of course <laughs> yeah so it's the first anniversary this month um and then next year you know it's it'll be we're, again, you know, it's, I suppose Emily and I are going to take some time to sort of think about how we can work, move all our clients forward, you know, what's the mm-hmm. next step for them, as much as what's the next step for us. But, um, you, you know, my as I said, my background's been very much in journalism and book editing, and it would be, <laughs> it, it seems like a very natural progression for us to sort of think about how we can move more into that, into yeah. that sphere. Um, we'd like to, to start working with more authors um, in an editorial capacity and a publishing capacity as much as in a, a PR and comms capacity mm. um, and that's that's really exciting for us um, and you know publishing's a, a really complicated sector to operate in and we're both excited that we can we're going to play the game with our own rules I think yeah. rather than you know follow the rules that have been set mm. so I think that's quite an exciting proposition for us all pioneers have to break rules <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> so that's that's super exciting um and you know it, it's about as i say you know we want to raise the game for our clients and for ourselves um and you know as we grow we're going to try and well we are going to keep our culture really solidly sort of embedded in what we do um we're, we're, we're doing a lot more collaborations we've been doing a lot more collaborations with creative people with um with some charities um, and that's something that we want to really sort of develop a lot more CSR and a lot more connecting and networking um, because as I said you know it's not it's not all about well you know the money is a really small part and earning is you know a really small part of what we do we do this because we love it yeah. and it's just about working out new ways to, to as I say change the game and mm. just keep life exciting brilliant exciting stuff uh, the last uh, the last part I always do on the show is called Shark in the Tank weird title but it's um it's just uh it's basically i ask someone the reason i call it shark in the tank is because i ask someone to name either a sort of particular love or a particular hate you know in terms of inspiration uh it doesn't have to it can be an all-time thing it can be right now it can be anything from a, a 
a single you bought in your kid, a book you've read, a, a, just a, anything, anything creative that sort of inspires you, gets you going, or really pisses you off? <laughs> right. This was not in the preparation notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's best left off. <laughs> something that, um, something that really pisses me. Off. Right, can I give you one for each? Is that just really you can give me one, yeah, you can yeah, give what you're just keep Actually, trying. no one's given me sort of a, a, a pissing me off one yet. Everyone goes for, you know, like, names of film or... Uh, they've, they've all been really good answers, but no one's, yeah, I'd be quite interested to hear that. Right, okay, so um, pisses me off in, in PR and marketing, right, as an ex-journalist. Um, press releases, I think I've mentioned that a couple of times, I hate them. Um, faceless relationships where people mm. send you emails and make out that they know you and they're, they're your friend. I got an email today, just hi. <laughs> Not even bothered to formulate my first name into, the, into it, you know, just hi. I've been there, I didn't even look at it, I just, sorry. Hi David, good weekend question mark, anything exciting? You don't know me. <laughs> Imagine that reply, you don't know me. <laughs> so you don't know me, who are you? <laughs> um, yeah, that annoys me. Um, I, I, I hate, yeah, I hate all that sort of fakery, it just mm. doesn't... Um, I hate passive aggression and things like that. I like people to be really upfront and tell me um, exactly how they feel. So, on that note, somebody that inspires me. Um, oh, just something you love. Just something a, a, I creative, really a creative work you love. Something that, you know, I don't, anything at all. I mean, <laughs> open, open, open book. Um, I am, right, this is going to be so cliched. Um, my my favourite piece of art is Picasso's Guernica because um, I... Um, well, I was a history student, and I think it is one of the best ways of actually portraying a historic event, bringing in the emotion and how people and things actually felt. Um, and he doesn't even need to use colour to do that. I think it's just a work of genius. Good answer. Um, That's a really good answer. And, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's one thing to be able to draw something that looks um, beautiful and appealing... But it's a different thing to be able to um, instill a bit of meaning in that, mm. um, and yeah, that that's probably something that that I think is is one of the cleverest things that I've seen. Brilliant, that's great. Both great. Really? Answers. Yeah, really good. Yeah, <laughs> definitely up there with the best ones. Just came out really good. Head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, last thing, where can people where can people keep in touch with home or check out what's going on? Oh, dead easy. Um, just well, you can email us at hello at hummedia.com or um, just um, our website's just hummedia.com we're, we're not complicated <laughs> <laughs> perfect cool well thanks for your time and cool. uh, we'll see you, at, we'll see you at the anniversary thanks Ben <laughs> David is a fantastic uh, friend of mine and a really really cool guy to know he um, he was responsible for the title of my book, actually, Champagne and Wax Crayons. Uh, I remember sending him the manuscript, scratching my head, coming up with really mundane titles such as Freelance Adventures, uh, I Freelance. There was some really nasty ideas flying around. and It's really hard to divorce yourself from the attachment that you have to it, naturally. We're all very precious about what we do and, and sort of struggle to share it. But I went to David and said, look, here's a deal. I'm, I'm, I'm hitting brick walls here. The suggestions are very obvious very self-explanatory, which is not bad sometimes when you're starting out, but David took one look at it and said, no, forget about that. He said, the way you write and the way your artwork looks are completely the same, and we really need to grab that personality and harness that in a title. And he read a few chapters in and came back at me with what was initially Champagne, Wax Cranes and Vixens, 
and um, later became Champagne and Wax Crayons. And that's the way David's mind works. He's so well suited to PR and his editorial background means that he can articulate those ideas really, really well. So he's a wonderful guy to know. So do go and check out Hum Media. Doing some fantastic work at the minute with a real wide range of clients. So there's a lot to learn and I hope um, I hope you guys learned as much as I did from that conversation with David. Let us know your thoughts at Arrest All Mimics on the Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Arrest All Mimics or contact us through the Illustration Web website, illustrationweb.com. Super excited about who we've got coming up on the show. Uh, we've got Sarah Beatson coming up soon. Um, there's a few other fantastic people in the pipeline that are going to like knock your head off honestly really good stuff and keep the suggestions coming it was in a pub over christmas on several occasions where people just spitballing came up with some tremendous ideas that i really should have thought about sooner but i hadn't and that's what it takes so that's why you guys are so important to this show you've put me in a position now where i've got 10 shows out there which is a i think a phenomenal achievement i'm really kind of happy with this and thank you so much for all that support and i want it to keep coming so Keep coming at us with his ideas. If you prefer to email us privately, it's at it's arrestallmimics at gmail.com. Uh, so keep them coming, guys. And I hope you enjoyed David Woods and look forward to catching up later into 2016. See you later, guys. Cheers. Listening to a rest.